Hey there, and welcome to VG Emporium. And I'm the proprietor of this very fine establishment, Rage Cage. And today we're going to be going deep down memory lane for me to uh, my very first console that I ever had, which is the Sega Master System. But before we get any further into that, uh, some top of the show notes, which is uh, kind of a new thing for me here. And maybe one of the first things I'll say is that I am now fresh back from a two-week vacation in up to upstate New York to uh, my wife's family cabins, who, like, her grandparents back in the 60s built. And we got to do, uh, you know, quite a few exciting things. We went to Niagara Falls, checked out Bolt Castle on the Thousand Islands areas up by Alexandria Bay, got to sail a boat on the lake by her family cabin. But it was mostly just relaxing, uh, just, just chilling out. It was, like, at least, like, 60, 70 degrees most days. A very nice reprieve from California here, where it's currently over, going to be over 100 degrees for the next few days. Um, but uh, yeah, a lot of that time was, or most of some of that time was spent um, preparing for my next few shows, such as this one, getting all my tracks ready and kind of thinking of the ideas. But one of the other interesting things was that I was in pretty good proximity of all the East Coast podcasters, but they were all six hours or more away from where I was at. And Retro World Expo was going on uh, the weekend before I was going to be leaving back here to California. And so I unfortunately was able to make that because, again, that was like seven hours away. Um, just too short a time to do it. And, you know, I wish I could have done it. Like, you know, meet all you guys. So I could have met all all you cool guys like Justin and Mike of XVGM, Robin Purnell of Rhythm and Pixels, and Ed Wilson of the VG Embassy. But my wife is wanting to make this kind of more of a regular thing, us going out to those cabins. So, you know, if not yearly, um, bi-yearly, hopefully, you know, we'll see. And maybe within that time, like, you know, I'll be able to, you know, actually get to meet you guys. Who knows? So now one last little cool bit of news is that um, 
just today, which is a Saturday, um, I was driving around in a part of town I don't usually get too often, and uh, here in Placerville, and there I saw where usually there's just like a cigarette shop and a weird little consignment clothes shop was a game shop, or like a game place to go play games called, get this, Master Blasters Retro Game Lounge. And, uh, you know, I did not know about this place. Um, I guess they had just recently opened back in July. And like I said, I don't go near that part of town for any reason, really. So I'm definitely going to have to, um, you know, eventually make my way to go there when they are open. Because when I went by there today, they were closed. But, um, yeah, there was a cool little sign on the on the door that said, If you can beat me in a round of Street Fighter 2, you might win 10 bucks. And so I'm imagining you just play against the store owner and... You must feel pretty confident to make that offer. And so now just one last cool little thing is that in the most recent episode of the Shujin Academy VGM Club hosted by Professor Tom, um, he did the uh, Castivus, which he's, he was uh, celebrating his love for the Dreamcast and for the upcoming um, you know, anniversary release date of it on the September 9th. And uh, he had asked me to do the um, advert on this one, being Crazy Taxi. So how I did that was I was, you know, over there in New York, so all I had was a little lapel mic and my phone, and the only place I could do it was in this red van that uh, my wife's uncle lent to us, and I just went in there, it reeked to high hell, we had to Febreze it to hell, and um, I just sat in there and just kind of did a few takes, and I sent it to him, and there it is, and it came out really good, along with the, you know, that particular song that is most associated with Crazy Taxi. Or maybe I should say, Crazy Taxi! But in all seriousness, I would highly recommend you go check out that that episode of Shujin Academy VGM Club. It's really good. It kind of brought brought back some good memories that I had with the Dreamcast. I still have mine, and it's kind of cool that you know he covered the Sega's last like home console, and now this episode I'm going to be regaling you with memories of Sega's uh, you know technically first actual home console, and that would be the Sega Master System, or I should say the third iteration of. Sega's first home console, which would be the SG-1000. What we got here in the States, the Sega Master System, was basically just a rebranded, um, you know, SG-1000 Mark III. But yes, I think I may have gone over this on my first episode, which I had opened up with a Sega Master System song, but um, yes, this is my first console. Uh, my parents got it like a garage sale somewhere. Um, you know, every, all the other friends had like, you know, super, like a, or had Nintendos, like, you know, NES or a Sega Genesis or Super Nintendo, I got the Sega Master System and I was happy for it because, you know, hey, I finally had a game console to play and none of my other friends had it. So I was, you know, I had a unique thing. And, uh, you know, the games on it were pretty unique compared to what was on the NES, even. Um, you know, case in point, the music that I opened to showed up, show up with, um, actually first was the Sega Master System BIOS startup. And then what I played for you was music from Alex Kidd and the Lost Stars, which is the title music. I'm the Miracle Ball, which is a sample played through the um, SN76489 through some trickery. And then Toy World and Monster World, which is like the first level and then like, you know, a subsequent level in there. And uh, yeah, this is a weird little game. If you've heard of, heard of uh, Alex Kidd and in the Mir in Miracle World, you know, that's like a platformer and you're just going around punching things. You get like the, you know, it's an iconic Sega Master System, iconic Sega game. But um, this game is very different. It's still a platformer in a way, It's but the sprites are bigger. They're like chunky, cartoony looking, and it's really slow, and you don't have an attack initially. You get like this um, kind of like weird wind blast thing at some point, but for the most part, I think you're, I can't remember if you jump on the opponents or you have to avoid them at all, but 
Yeah, the real thing that makes this game stand out from Miracle World is that, just like I said, the visuals of it is just so bizarre. There's a lot of weird things going on. Like, in this first stage, it's all, like, you know, it's a toy world. So, like, all the, like, level is made of, like, Lego blocks. You're, like, avoiding, like, these card people. There's a dog thing that's just standing there. Its mouth is constantly open, but it shoots out letters that spell out Bow Wow and these big balloon letters. Um, it's just really weird. Um, in the monster world there's an opponent or an enemy on there that's just this guy he has sunglasses a mohawk and he's just naked and he's shaking his butt at you and he launches flaming i think like skull pumpkins out of his butt at you it's really weird at one point you're actually playing through a uh, giant's uh digestive tract i don't know it's it's a weird 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 little game and the delightfully cheesy music just kind of enhances the weirdness like you know because it's so like normal compared to the visuals, I'd, I'd say, I don't know. And so now speaking of the music, the uh, the reason why I'm playing you the FM version because, you know, the Sega Master System had two sound, like, um, sound units. One was the SN76489, which is PSG or like, you know, pulse sound generation. So it's like three pulse waves or pulse channels and a noise. It also had an FM unit, which was the YM2413, which had like, um, you know, multiple different modes. It was like a two-op thing, but it had like preset sounds and everything. Um, the Japanese model, or the Japanese version of the Sega Master System had these two in it, but like the international release was not supposed to have it in there. It was only had the uh, SN76489. Somehow, I ended up with a console that had both sound chips in it. So I don't know if it was like somebody who originally got it imported it in, or it was like a weird like uh, fluke model, like how the first set of uh, Sega, uh, Dreamcasts were able to play like burnt CDs and so I got to enjoy this delightfully cheesy FM music and the fellow who uh, composed this delightfully cheesy FM music that would be Hiroshi Kawaguchi most well known for uh, composing the music for Hang On, Space Harrier, Enduro Racer, Outrun, Afterburner, Fantasy Zone and who could forget that trackball arcade classic Sega Sonic the Hedgehog. But now here's a cool little fun fact of the guy um, he was originally born Hiroshi Miyauchi which is the same name of a famous actor from the Chiba Free Prefecture and uh, most well-known for his roles in the Common uh, Rider series. The only reason I know this is because um, the .bgm file like credits him as his original name, so when I looked it up, I came across the actor who was born in the 1930s, so, you know, you can imagine my confusion. Ah, but geez, look, we're already 10 minutes in, and I've been having you listen to this same loop over and over again. So we're going to move on to our next track, and this is coming from Time Soldier. The track is called The Primitive Age composed by Yuka Watanabe.
was The Primitive Age from Time Soldiers, composed by Yuka Watanabe. And if I remember correctly, I want to say that this is one of two games that came with the console when my parents bought it from that garage sale. Um, the other one we'll be getting too soon. What this is is a uh, top-down running gun, where you play, uh, you know, one or two-player soldier, you know, the time soldiers, um, playing through different ages. So you got five stages. They're um, the Primitive Age, the Age of Rome, the World Wars, the Age of War, and Future World. And through this, you've got to rescue, I think it's like one or two uh, comrades, and you get shown their names and who they are at the beginning of the stage. You know, it's, uh, it looks similar to how uh, Ikari Warriors look, if you're familiar with that on the NES. And now really rem remembering it, um, I never really cared for this game, like, I think I could only ever get past the first stage, which, you know, so this music is what I would hear really all the time. Um, I couldn't get past the second stage because for some reason I just couldn't get a handle on the, how it played. And as you'll notice, this actually uses the SN76489, the PSG, so 8-bit sounding. Um, it was weird, he was like, yeah, so these first two games I got were, you know, the PSG, so... It wasn't until I got a certain game that I heard the FM music for the first time, but so, you know, I didn't know this console could make different sounds at the time when I first got it. So now, Yuka Watanabe. Uh, she got started doing Time Soldiers for the arcade and then converted it to the Sega Master System. Go on to do Gang Wars, Magician Lord, Blue's Journey, Cross Swords, Ninja Commando, World Heroes 1 and 2, Aggressors of Dark Combat, Cross Swords 2, um, Ninja Masters, Twinkle Star Sprites, Beastbuster's Second Nightmare, The Sword of Etheria, Castlevania Curse of Darkness, Castlevania Harmony of Despair, and then a couple of Naruto Shippuden games. And then go on to program games like uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Eyes of Heaven. So now I'm going to be playing you the next track, which is coming from the other game that came with the Sega Master System when my parents got it for me. And then after that, I feel it would be appropriate to tell you a bit, a bit more about the console itself. So up next, we got Penguin Land, the in-game music. Um, no composer credited on this one, unfortunately. was the in-game music from Penguin Land. Unfortunately, an unknown composer. And as I mentioned, this is the other game that came with the console when I got it, and I played this one far more than Time Soldier because it was a lot more fun and a, a, actually a lot more easier. And how it goes is that you're playing as a penguin and you're trying to escort, take your egg to the bottom of the level, so you're working your way from the top down, breaking ice, avoiding obstacles like, um, you know, dropping spike things, and uh, cool polar bears with sunglasses and you're just trying to work your way down and down to the goal. So now, let's talk a little bit about the Master System. 
And, um, you know, a good place to start would be at the very beginning. Where um, So, Sega, you know, it was a, a company that was owned by a different company called Gulf and Western at the, at the point, and they were making arcade games. And then eventually they wanted to, they went to create a computer system called the SE3000, and it was going to be like a microcomputer, basically. And then they got wind that Nintendo was creating a home console. So they decided to take what they were working on with the SE3000 and turn it into a console version, the SG1000. And it got released on the same day as the Nintendo's Famicom. And thanks to a one-two punch of a steadier stream of games released for the SG-1000 and um, Nintendo having to recall some of the Famicom consoles due to faults in like the circuitry or something, it did pretty dang well, a lot better than Sega expected. And so eventually, uh, you know, a little about a couple years after that, they or sometime after that, they decided to release a second version, the SG-1002 or Mark II. And, um, you know, it had a little more enhancements, like they took the hardware controllers and turned it into actual just plug-in controllers, like how the Famicom had. And, you know, had a little bit more processing power, I think, and, you know, more games. And then eventually they released the uh, SC-1003, or Mark III. And this is, you know, like, uh, instead of using, like, you know, off-the-shelf like parts that they used in the previous versions, they used their own proprietary hardware based around the Sega System 2 arcade board. So this gave it a lot more processing power than what the Famicom had even, you know, so and had a lot more colors for the palettes and even like, uh, you know, sprites, sprite work. So like in the case of uh, one game, Kinsaden, it actually had two separate sides of the sprite. So like, you know, left and a right side instead of mirroring. It was cool. Um, and then eventually the, they released it internationally as the Sega Master System, this being their first international release. Now the cool thing about the Mark III is that it had an option to attach a uh, extra sound unit, the uh, YM2413 FM sound chip. And when they decided to uh, create the Sega Master System, they only put the SN76489 into it for international releases, but when they did it for Japan, they put both sound units inside the console instead of being like an external attachment. And speaking of FM unit, I'm gonna be playing you another song that uses it. And it's coming from the game that I found out that my console had this ability to use that sound chip. And that game is called Kinsaden, and the track is Yonensai, the master, unknown composer. Inside the Master from Kinsaden, Unknown Composer. And this is the music that plays when you go up against the final boss, Oda Nobunaga. And so this game and its music hold a special place in my heart because it is the very first game that I actually bought for myself with money that I got from my parents. And as all my introduction to uh, FM music at home, as opposed to hearing it just in the arcades. And I actually love the version of this music so much that I actually went and created the uh, VGM pack for it that is now on SMS Power because at the, at the time, 
all there was was just the PSG version on there, and I couldn't find the FM version except for on, like, you know, YouTube up YouTube uploads. So I just used Kega Fusion, or K-Fusion, Kega, I can't remember what it was, but I used that, played through the game, like, recorded the, uh, you know, the music into VGM format, did all, like, you know, the formatting and stuff to get, like, the loop points and everything right. And it's the first time I actually beat the game proper, too, because, um, like, when I was playing it as a kid, I could only get so far before, you know, I couldn't get, you know, get any further, I got a game over, had to start over. This is the first time I actually got to the final boss and beat it, because, you know, how else was I supposed to rip the boss music if I couldn't get there? But, of course, you know, using save states and stuff, so, you know, that's gonna kind of probably upset some people, but hey, you know, it's what I had to do. And then a song from this game was actually one of my first submissions to the uh, Patreon picks at uh, XVGM Radio, which was initiating my actual interaction with, like, VGM podcasts. And I also opened up my first episode with music via, like, the uh, credits, or the title music and the first stage music from this game. So, you know, there's this, something's got something special for me. So now if you want to know more about this game, I would uh, recommend you go check out Wikipedia, and if you want to play it, I think right now you can o the only way to play it would be either have a physical copy of it or emulate it. But if you want to hear me talk about it, well, then just go back to my very first episode where, you know, like I said, I opened up the episode with the music from this game, and I go on about it for a good bit. So now let's talk about the audio of the system. So um, the main one was the uh, SN76489, which is PSG, or Programmable Sound Generator. And it was created by Texas Instruments originally for their TI-99-4A, which was a microcomputer. But it was also used in the BBC Micro, another microcomputer, ColecoVision, IBM PC Junior, and the Tandy 1000. As well as a few arcade systems. And so what this comes with is three channels of square wave tone generation and one channel of noise generation. Unfortunately, the pulse width of the square waves couldn't be modified like on the NES's sound chip. So even though like the tones can't be as dynamic as the NES's, um, through some clever usage of the ADSR and um, arpeggiation, you can kind of spice things up a bit. But you'd only really hear it from uh, compo like European composers and then on the Game Gear, which uses the same sound chip. But another thing they kind of lacked was just um, achieving like a nice low tone, like the square waves of the NES or even like the triangle can. But that's where the noise channel comes in. So it has a white noise mode, a pink noise mode, and then a special mode where you sacrifice the third pulse channel to create like this new pulse tone that, um, how best to explain this? I'm kind of blanking on it. Um, just like a narrower, narrower pulse width. So it could be used for like some really cool buzzy bass or a more interesting lead sound. But while using it again, you lose the third pulse channel and you also can't use the noise as well because the noise channel is being used for this new square wave. So, through, so again, through clever usage, you can kind of like um, use the buzzy square sound and then uh, cut into like a noise for percussion and then go back to the buzzy and kind of do that, you know. Mostly Western or European composers use these tricks. And so now the FM that you're hearing right now was a originally a external sound add-on for the SG-1000 Mark III, but packed in with the Sega Master System when it was released in Japan. It is the Yamaha YM2413 2-op FM sound chip. But unlike the other FM sound chips that Yamaha made, this only came with preset instruments. So it's kind of like, you know, everything that you're hearing right now are just preset instruments. Um, excepting you could have one customizable patch that you could use. But as far as I know, I haven't heard that custom patch being used in uh, any like Sega Master System games. But I do know that it was used in Illusion City on the MSX, which also used the YM2413. Or I should clarify the MSX2 Turbo. So this chip had two sound modes. One was what the standard where you could use nine channels at once for at sound whatever, and then a rhythm mode which cut down the usage to five channels of sound 
with three rhythm channels with like uh, pre-made tones. Those being a kick, snare, hi-hat, cymbal, and tom. And so depending on the usage of this chip, you know, it could be sounding pretty cheesy like how the Alex Kidd track sounded, or pretty damn cool like how this Yonensai track is sounding. So now, this console was a cartridge-based one, but it did have a cool little feature where there were some games made that were on little cards, and they were called, surprisingly enough, Sega cards. And the track I'm going to play for you now is from a game that was on one of these Sega cards. And it's called Ghost House, and this is the in-game music. And this is another one composed by Hiroshi Kawaguchi. was the in-game music from Ghost House composed by Hiroshi Kawaguchi. So you can imagine my surprise that like, you know, a kid being used to cartridges because I played, you know, Nintendo at friends' houses and having the Sega Master System and most of my games being cartridges. And when I got home with this box, there was just a little card inside and I was like, what is this? And then, you know, see there's like a little card slot right in front of the console. So you put it in there and hey, there it is, the game. So now if this game card thing sounds familiar, um, that's because it was also used in the uh, TurboGrafx-16, or the PC Engine known as in Japan, though the cards in that for that system had a lot more memory than the cards for the Sega Master System. I think the one these ones were only like maybe 256 kilobytes. And this is the only game that I got that was in this card format because, well, I, I guess this is the only one that the place I went to, first run video, had. And they actually had like a whole wall dedicated to Sega Master System games to buy or rent. So I bought my games from there. So now before I tell you about this game, I just want to mention this music sounds very Mega Man-ish. More specifically, Mega Man 3-ish, especially with that middle part sounding kind of like a Shadow Man stage bit. And as you can hear, that one square channel is trying to go for that bass tone, but it just can't quite get there. So now this game, you play as Vampire Hunter Mick, and you're out to kill all these vampires within this house, or um, in the US version, all these Draculas, multiple Dracula, Draculae. And you have to avoid so many things trying to get to these Draculae, um, be it like a mummies, uh, some kind of flamethrowing orange beast that has its mouth in it, or hands in its mouth, but it open and it just looks kind of freaky. And then arrows flying and candelabras coming at you. And apparently, um, you know, reading about this game, um, 
I found out there's just like all these cool little tricks and secrets that you could find to help you along this game, like finding a sword, finding some way to like actually like free stuff on the screen by hitting a light bulb or something. I, I didn't know about these things as a kid. I just like played it and I could only maybe kill one or two Draculas. And then after that, like the third one, the, here's the thing, they come back to life sometimes. Like, you know, you'd kill one, and if you go too long before you kill the other one in the stage, the other one will come back, which kind of messes with you as a kid. So I should mention, uh, your main mode of attack is punching, and my, quite the mitts that Mick has. I mean, like, when you punch, his fists are huge. And then, um, you know, he looks like a small guy, but then when you go to climb ladders, his back is like, his shoulders are just like, it's like he's... He's stacked. He's like he's like a dwarf. It's it's it's, it's just kind of a very weird visual. So now an interesting fact on this is that um, as uh, maybe some may know, um, the Sega Master System was hugely, wildly, insanely popular in Brazil. Yeah, you know, I mean so much so that there's where there's probably still games being made now. Like you know there were games still being released in the 2000s for the system when it like died back in like the late like late 80s, early 90s and even new variants of the console being released and manufactured there. And um, so when this game came out, it was re um, released as Chapolum ex Dracula, um duelo asustador, where they redid the sprite of Mick as the Mexican character at Chapulin Colorado. And he is the title character of a Mexican television comedy television show and where he is a superhero that um, ha is in a red suit and has yellow antennae. And I vaguely remember this when my dad would watch uh, channels like Telemundo or Univision. And uh, I recognize some of the characters also from another show that he watched called El Chavo. And a fun fact is that the character of Bumblebee Man in The Simpsons is based off of this um, Chapulin Colorado. So now before we move on, um, I just have a quick update. I was able to go into that game shop I found called Master Blasters Retro Game Lounge. And uh, got to talk to the guy who owns the place, Chris. He was a pretty cool guy. We actually got to talking for like two hours or something. And then like uh, another guy came in with his son who wanted to play, you know, Super Mario Kart and Tetris on the consoles he has set up. And um, yeah, it's just a really cool spot. Like he initially opened it to have a space for kids who wanted to come and play like Yu-Gi-Oh because he has a bunch of tables set up like Yu-Gi-Oh, Magic, uh, Pokemon, the trading card game. And then, you know, he has a bunch of consoles that he just found at like random flea markets and everything. And he has like multiples and then he has games set up that you can buy or just to pull and play and uh yeah he's looking to really like turn it into like a cool little like game spot like he was actually waiting for a zaxon cabinet to come in that day when i was talking to him so yeah any of my buddies that are listening to this show um that happen to live here in placerville or kind of in the area go check it out master blasters it's on missouri flat and uh you know like I said, it's a really cool spot and chris is a really awesome guy to just talk to Ah, but so now let's move on to our next track, and this is uh, coming from the game, which is my first exposure to the shoot 'em up genre. This is Cloudmaster, and the track is called Mount Tai. Unknown composer. Thank you. 
Tai from Cloudmaster with an unknown composer. Though there were uh, composers listed for the Famicom version, and those would be Planet 2 and Soul Duke, though I'd imagine those were only for the conversion to the Famicom. So now in this game, I, you play as a little character, I think it's supposed to be kind of like a take on Sun Wukong, and you're flying on a cloud and you're shooting at things through uh, stages based on ancient China, and the enemies that you're shooting at are things like ramen bowls, um, bird people, rows of pig heads, these weird little smile looking things, and little angry turtles. And the bosses you would face off uh, are like kind of big um, half-screen filling things, which are like a spear-wielding kappa, a dragon dog thing, a cockatrice, eventually I think some kind of like warrior guy. You know, you can only remember so much for not having played this game after almost, jeez, like almost 30 years. But one thing I do remember pretty solidly is that this game was really hard, and I'm surprised I was able to get as far as I did as a kid. Now I'd like to note one thing about the music in right here is that, um, you may notice that there's kind of like a phasing effect going on a couple times, and uh, that's one thing I forgot to note when I was talking about the audio, is that um, when you kind of set like a light vibrato to one square channel, and then you play the same note on another channel, you kind of get like this cool phase effect. So now speaking of games that I never could beat because I couldn't get past a certain stage or boss, I'm going to play you a track from Shinobi, and this is Bonus Stage, and it was composed by Yasuhiro Kawakami. That was the bonus stage from Shinobi, composed by Yasuhiro Kawakami. And for those that follow me on social medias, you may have seen that I had uh, done a beatbox cover of this song. Sort of as a little clue as to what the subject that this episode was going to be. And, you know, like actually listening to this song again after a bit, um, I could definitely say I hear the uh, influence from YMO, or Yellow Magic Orchestra. You know, it's in there. So now, like many of the games I've been sharing the music of today, um, this was a port of the arcade version of this game. And so it's pretty much the same, you know, you go through the stage, um, except where, um, like in the arcade version, you'd had to rescue all the hostages in the stage. Um, they are now optional, but they give you power-ups to your weapons, so like your projectiles or your close range. Though there are some hostages that you have to rescue in order to unlock this bonus stage. And again, like many of the games that I've been sharing today, I did not beat this game. In fact, I got stuck on the third mission. You know, I'd be able to get through the whole, like all the three stages that are in it, but then I'd get to the final boss, Madara, which consisted of like, I think it was like nine, like different statues that were shooting stuff at you, and you had to destroy them, and then you face off this face thing, and I just could not 
beat that part. I'd always just get stuck there. And my kid brain, for some reason, thought that that had to be the final stage because, you know, there were so many stages before that, so I thought, okay, this is the last boss, that's why this is so hard, and then just recently on Twitter I had said I got stuck on those things, and I got corrected saying that's not even the final boss, and I was like, oh. So now this bonus stage is basically just kind of like a shooting gallery one where you're throwing stars at green ninjas that are kind of coming at you, getting closer and closer. There's like three different stages that they're coming at you, and they get faster and faster, but if you beat them all, you get an extra life, I think, if I recall correctly. All the while, just listening to this really awesome tune, and I kind of personally feel like I listened to the arcade version, and I personally feel that this version is actually a little bit more, um, uh, well, I like it more because, you know, hey, I, this is what I grew up with. And the PSG version is actually pretty good as well. And so that brings us to Yasuhiro Kawakami. And uh, this was actually his first con- like, first game that he composed for. Then he would go on to do Tetris in the arcade, Crackdown, Super R-Type on the SNES, the Irem Skin games on the SNES, Final Fantasy Mystic Quest, uh, Toeball Number 1, and Chocobo Dungeons 2. But wait, let's rewind a few games. Did you hear that? Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. You know, it's a very, very not great game with an exponentially greater soundtrack. So yeah, pretty cool. You know, he has a pretty short but very sweet library of music he's made. And, you know, going from starting with Sega, going to Irem, and then ending with Squaresoft. So hey, you know, pretty, pretty good variety there. So now, I don't really have much more to talk about the console itself, but more of kind of just a cool little thing here, or maybe not so cool thing, is that, uh, yeah, I was the only kid that I knew, because I was myself, that had a Sega Master System, and nobody else knew what it was, or like, you know, nobody else, I don't think any of my friends actually ever came over and played it either, or, you know, what friends I did have. <laughs> and that's because, you know, as opposed to how it was taken in Brazil and, the, and Europe, where, like, you know, that took off really crazy-like, um, it did not do so well here in the States because, uh, you know, the NES was just dominating, dominating, DOMINATE! Ting. And it wouldn't be about 20 years later until, like, you know, I made friend of the guy, and it wouldn't be until maybe, like, another eight years after I'd known him that I find out that he also had a Sega Master System, being, like, the first other person that I knew, physically, like, actually was friends with him and everything, that had a Sega Master System when he was a kid. So, you know, I wasn't just the only one. And you know who you are, you bloody camera-slinging bishop! Though he's not actually a bishop. So now, I actually just realized I've been kind of going in a weird order here. It's been FM, PSG, PSG, FM, PSG, PSG. So we're going to continue that uh, rhythm with the next game. That being Fantasy Zone with Tabas, composed by Tokuhiko Uwabo.
That was Tabas from Fantasy Zone, composed by Tokuhiko Uwabo. And this here little oddball is what you would call a kid-em-up. Though, um, Chwinby came out before this, I think by a year, by, you know, it was made by Konami. So this guy, Opa Opa of Final, uh, Fantasy Zone, was kind of based off of Twinbee a little bit. But whereas Twinbee was a vertical shoot-em-up, Fantasy Zone is a horizontal shoot-em-up of sorts, except, like, you know, instead of kind of just going through a stage, you loop through the stage, and you're destroying these, um, like, enemy generator things, basically, though there are other enemies coming at you, and you're collecting coins. And that's what I knew how to do was just kill enemies, collect the coins, because I didn't know I had to destroy those weird, like, big ol' things that were flying, just floating there, until, I don't know, maybe... I don't know, I can't even remember how long it took me to figure out how to, you know, that I had to shoot those things and destroy them. Did I decide to try it? And it did it, and then uh, it worked, and then I faced a boss that was a giant, weird, like, stump thing with a mouth and eyes, and it was kind of freaky. But what isn't freaky is the fact that you can fly down to the ground, and you can walk around on it, because Apu Apu or Opa Opa, I can't remember which one it is, uh, just has feet that pop out, and he just walks around. He's just a silly little ship thing with wings and feet. You know, this is a fun little game, and visually it's just really, you know, appealing. It's like it's all just big, colorful, like silly looking things, fanciful things, and um, yeah, I just, I remember liking this one. And so now this oh-so-delightful music was composed by a man with an oh-so-delightful name, Tokohiko Uwabo. Isn't that fun to say? Uwabo. And Uwabu-san is one of the oldest um, members of the Sega Sound Team. And so yeah, he started with Sega about like 84, 85, primarily doing um, ports of their arcade titles music to the uh, Sega Master System using a sound driver that he used in uh, PC-98 that he wrote the music in assembly and then converted it. And um, this ended up being used by a lot of third-party Japanese developers as well. So what'd he do? Well, he got started doing Satellite 7, then Fantasy Zone this, um, Alex Kidd in the Miracle World, Space Harrier, Great Golf, um, Zillion, he did Outrun on the SMS, Fantasy Zone 2, Fantasy Star. Oh yeah, that's the thing. He uh, did the first two Fantasy Stars. Uh, let's see, Black Onyx eased the Vanished Omen on this Sega Master System. And then would prim primarily be like a sound um, director, programmer, something like that on like the, for the Sega Genesis conversions of his music as well. Some of these being Sorcerian, uh, Cyberball, Quackshot. Um, he did Golden, uh, Golden Axe 3. And then his last actual credits with uh, Sega would be Sonic the Hedgehog 3 and Sonic and & Knuckles as far as sound and music go. And then his last actual credit would be technical support on Shinobi X on the Sega Saturn. So now with that, we're going to move on to a track that's a little more laid back. This is Music Type B from Shanghai, Composer Unknown.
That was Music Type B from Shanghai with an unknown composer. And I had actually played a song from this game on my Mother's Day episode because this is one of the games, the first game that my mom actually kind of got addicted to, and to the detriment of me not being able to play my games. And what this is is just, just simply a Mahjong game, you know, just match two tiles, they disappear, and you just keep doing it until you clear the pile and, and slowly but surely reveal a dragon in the background. But you gotta be careful because, uh, you know, one too many wrong uh, matches and moves and uh, you won't have any more matches to make, so you have to restart from the beginning. And, you know, not much more to say about this game because that's about it. But uh, some things I do kind of want to say is like some games that I regret not actually getting for this system and that being because uh, the place where I bought them just didn't have them. And uh, you know, those would be, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog and Streets of Rage, which were developed by Ancient, you know, Yuzo Koshiro's company. Alex Kidd and Miracle World because, you know, from so many I've been hearing and like talking about on like other podcasts or seeing in forums, like, you know, that was a pretty formative game to them and, you know, I would have loved to have been able to play it. As well as the Wonder Boy games. Another one is uh, Fantasy Star, though I'd imagine I probably wouldn't really get it as a kid, but it would have just been cool to have it and kind of have that experience, you know, a new other thing to kind of make me even weirder than I am already. You know, there's a few other titles, you know, now in hindsight that I wish I had access to as a kid, but, you know, knowing the place where I had to buy games and how limited their selection was, you know, I'm pretty satisfied with what I had. Though, unfortunately, I lost my console at some point in, like, the early 2000s in a move. You know, I have no idea where it has gone. It just disappeared. And, um, yeah, I wish I had it so I could that I record, like, you know, playing it and actually show, like, you know, I had a console that had the FM sound chip in it and prove I'm not making up tall tales. But there's no use in just trying to constantly eat a bowl of regretti spaghetti, so, you know, just moving on. And that is going to be to our last track of the day. And it's going to be read out from Afterburner, composed by Hiroshi Miyauchi.
that was read out from Afterburner, composed by Hiroshi Miyauchi. And then I didn't actually plan to do it this way of starting with, you know, a, a track by Miyauchi and then ending with one by him, both FM, but, you know, that's how it worked out. So yeah, I should know Afterburner. You know, in the arcades, it was one of Sega's Super Scalar games, alongside Space Harrier and then later on, you know, Galaxy Force 2 and a few others. And, uh, you know, it's from it's a from the back, uh, basically shoot em up where you're just going forward and things are coming at you. Like, so in this case, jets coming in from behind you, going ahead of you, and launching a few things at you if you're not too too quick to shoot them down. And so, you know, at the time, I imagine this game was pretty impressive in the arcade, and uh, the conversion to the Sega Master System is actually pretty impressive as well, because, um, yeah, you know, there's a little bit of a choppiness to the way how everything moves, but for the most part, it goes at a pretty good clip as far as, like, you know, the speed of the game and just how everything works. And again, this is another one of those games where I could only get so far, you know, I've never beaten it, though I hear tell there's a picture of Tom Cruise for you at the end. Uh, before I move on, um, I just want to note that um, you may have heard kind of like this high-pitched Tom sound. Um, you may have also heard in the uh, Alex Kidd music, and that is the use of the clarinet patch being um, down-pitched really quick to kind of just make a quick and easy Tom because the uh, rhythm channels... The, they can't be dynamically controlled like volume or pitch or anything so that's how he did it so I definitely would have never heard this music while I was playing it because this hap, uh, starts up at level 13 and I knew I never got that far but the reason why I chose this track is because I think I was you know I've listened to it before um, you know listening to the VGMs and stuff and I think I subconsciously channeled it when I was writing music for a uh, game project that you know I've been writing music for um, you know the car select music I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say what the game is quite yet, but yeah, like, you know, the kind of like the uh, the rhythm, the bass rhythm I went with kind of matches this, but a little faster. And I also did it as the Sega Master System sound, so one with the PSG, and then I did a FM version, like, you know, the YM2413 version in Sunvox using samples made by Little Scale, which was a pretty fun thing to do. So something I've always wanted to do is make a soundtrack or an album or something like that. You know, so one half is Sega Master System PSG and the other Sega Master System FM. And I finally got to do it. And I'm pretty damn excited for when we can actually uh, release the music and, you know, when the game is ready. So now, just one last thing to mention about the Sega Master System, and that is they released a second model. So I imagine, like, as many remember having Sega Genesis, there was, like, three different styles. There was, like, the first big model that had the aux, like, aux output, and then there was the Model 2, and then there was the Model 3. So, yeah, with the Sega Master System Model 2, they, uh, you know, removed the card slot because they decided to just be done with that format because it wasn't enough space to actually make a good game and then um yeah in the japanese version they re removed the fm sound chip so it was just the uh, sn76489 psg and and instead of being a rectangle with like these cool rising angulars with like the red grid on it it was just a simple black square thing with rounded edges and i've never physically seen one i only know of their existence thanks to the you know the great and mighty power of the internet and so yeah, there you go. Music from games that I owned on the Sega Master System, my very first console. Um, it wasn't the first games though I played. Like you know, I first got to play uh, Street Fighter II um, at this place that my dad worked called Rudy's Bean Pot back in Los Angeles when I was just a little little kid. And then a friend had um, or you know, quote unquote friend. I don't know if I would call him a friend, but uh, anyway, he had an NES, and I remember watching him play Metroid and stuff like that. And then um, you know. When I moved to a town called Auburn, I'd see you know, friends that had NESs and all this stuff and get to, you know, watch them play Mega Man 2 or Final Fantasy and all these things. And then, you know, my parents got me the Sega Master System, which had some pretty strange games. And I think it kind of, you know, influenced my taste in games and just to being kind of more on the weirder side. Because, you know, I like games that are like, uh, 
you know, Kickmaster, Saga Frontier 2, the Mega Man Battle Network series, um, Killer 7, just like, you know, I kind of go for the, just the things that just not very well known or not much liked by the mainstream. I mean, sure, yeah, like maybe about a couple years after getting it, um, I got a NES as a hand-me-down from uh, somebody who had just gotten an SNES, but, um, and, you know, had access to a greater library of games, but still, I just, I, I still played my Sega Master System alongside my NES equally, and, um, you know, just looking back at it, I am really glad I got it because, like I said, it just kind of made me who I am today, like my taste in video game music, my taste in video games, just my taste in most things generally. You know, it just made me a great big oddball. And so now where you can find this oddball, Rage Cage, that is me, um, you can find on the social medias like Instagram and Twitter, on SoundCloud where my music, you know, you can find my original chiptune music, and then uh, you can find VG Emporium on all your favorite podcatchers, as well as on those other said social medias, and also on YouTube where I'm just simply uploading the, you know, basically the show with the uh, title cards that I make, and just simple as. And there's also a server for VG Emporium on Discord. You know, it's not too active, but hey, you know, if you want to just come drop in and check it out, leave a special request or special order there, um, you know, do as you will. I'm going to be, I'm currently working on a link tree to, for all my different links that you could check out. I'm going to be sharing that on Twitter and all the other places and fun times. Oh yeah, and if you do have a special order or a song request, just send it on over to vgemporium at gmail.com or... You know, drop it at Twitter, or if you find the Discord server, drop it in there, because I have a special uh, channel set aside just for that. Or also a topic suggestion, if you wish. So now I'm slowly inching my way to having uh, guests on the show. Um, you know, not just the uh, my employees, or as curators, as some of them like to be called. Um, actual guests from, you know, my friend circle, other podcasters, um, other peoples that I want to reach out to and have on, my, have on VG Emporium. Um, like I said, I just got to get a few things set up, a few things figured out, and hopefully by, you know, by the end of this month or next month, so I'm getting pretty excited about that. Well, um, to give a little clue as to what I'm going to be having going on next week, I'm going to be uh, renting out a popcorn machine for the shop. Um, so that hopefully that's a clue enough as to what I have planned. And so with that, I've been Rage Cage, the proprietor of VG Emporium, and thank you for coming in and listening to me just blather on about cloudy childhood memories.